Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I've definitely been ministered to this morning. Uh, I really appreciate that song that just touched my heart this morning. Um, yeah, wow. When they were practicing it, uh, I just started weeping. And when they sung it again now, I just started weeping again. So I apologize for my red eyes and my sniffly nose. But praise the Lord. He can uh, work through the ministry of song. And I appreciate these guys and their efforts and all that they've done to help us to draw a little bit closer to the Lord this morning. And, uh, wow, praise the Lord. Well, I feel like I can just go home now, but we're not. We're going to keep going. We're going to look at the Word of God this morning. And uh, if you're in your Bibles, thank Tim for reading Psalm 23. Uh, We are going to read from there again. So if you don't have it already, then you can grab Psalm 23. And uh, as I said this morning uh, at the start, uh, if it's your first time with us, thank you. Uh, pastor Lloyd is our pastor and uh, he's not with us at the moment. He's on uh, some leave, so we're just going to continue to pray for him and his family. But just putting you in the mind of uh, that I'm not the regular preacher here this morning and uh, we'll have a few of our men in the church preaching over the next few weeks. Uh, so if you are visiting online, we thank you, but also want to encourage you Uh, to come back uh, after the school holidays when Pastor Lloyd will return and I'm sure you also receive a blessing from him as well. All right, Psalm 23, uh, we're not going to read there just yet but I might just uh, start with a word of prayer and then we'll have a look at some things here. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that uh, you know the need of our heart. Father, we thank you that you can minister to us in many ways and uh, Lord, I just thank you for these folks and the song that they sung, and Lord, the truths of that song as well. Uh, and Father, we just ask for your help this morning. Uh, Lord, I do acknowledge that you are God, you are Lord of all, and uh, that you are in control of all things. And uh, Father, that you are our guide, and that, Lord, that any sacrifice that, that we offer is uh, you are worthy of. And uh, so we just thank you this morning for who you are, and I pray that you just guide us as we look into your word and see a little bit more of your character and a little bit more of how we can respond to you, Father. So we just do ask that you be with us, guide us, and please be with our pastor and his family. We thank you for them. Please strengthen them, Lord. And so, Father, we just ask that you guide us this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I want to take a look at one psalm, which is Psalm 23, and one proverb. And uh, my prayer is that we could use the Word of God today to see God's character And not just see his character, but identify how we can approach him uh, accordingly. So seeing some things of who he is and uh, how he provides, essentially, and then how we can approach him based on that and because of that. Uh, So I'm really just going to jump straight in here this morning and give you my first point. And my first point is this, that the Lord God is a provider. He is a provider. And we can see that from from the very beginning. So you open your Bible and you see Genesis 1-1, creation, that in the beginning God created everything, that he has been a provider from the very beginning. Uh, He's given us all that we need. He's prepared the world for the way that humans need to live on on the earth. Uh, He's given us every every single thing that we can think of that we actually need uh, to survive, to live, and uh, to live well. And uh, so he's always been a provider from the very beginning, and uh, that hasn't stopped. He's continued to be a provider 
ever since, and he always will be. And uh, he is from everlasting to everlasting, and we praise him for that. Uh, but not just from creation do we see him being a provider. Uh, then you fast forward through the Bible and you come to Jesus Christ and you come to the salvation of mankind. Uh, he has been a provider with that as well. So we are not only just uh, physically provided for, he's provided us a spiritual, for our spiritual needs as well. He's given us spiritual life. He's given us eternal life for those that trust in him. And uh, he... You can pretty much open your Bible to any area and find that God has provided for someone at some point in some way, shape or form. And I uh, really just want to encourage you this morning that we need to remember that the Lord God is our provider. Uh, we are not self-made. He's the one that's given us the breath in our lungs and uh, he's the one that gives us spiritual blessings as well. So he is our provider. And someone that you'll see in the, in the word of God that's very well acquainted with God being a provider for him, was David. And you can read a lot about David and you can see all that he went through and how God lifted him up when he was in distress, how God strengthened him when he needed it. And uh, so he is very well acquainted with that. Uh, you, you go back to when he was a teenager and he was looking after the sheep and you know there's verses in the Bible there that, that tell you that he was declaring that God was his provider. God was the one who saved him, protected him uh, from the different animals that came to you know, destroy what he was looking after and destroy the work that he was doing. He was relying on the Lord for that. And uh, not just for those sheep that he was looking after as a shepherd boy, uh, but also when it came to Goliath and came to that battle and, and came to, to David coming to that, that battle there and seeing everything that was taking place. And you know, I was reading that last night and just seeing that the Lord just had his hand on David, but he just provided for him. You know, he, just, he just went before him and David had his trust in the Lord and, da and David was provided for by the Lord. Um, and not just as a teenager, not just in that stage of his life, but then you come to his adulthood as well and you look at how God provided mighty men around him, how God provided uh, armies for him to lead and uh, to instruct in and even just through his victories for God's people. So David really lived his whole life, and you know, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart, but he also identified that the Lord God was his provider in every area of his life as well. And I picked Psalm 23 this morning because you flick through the Psalms and you can see David pouring his heart out through these verses, and these Psalms are filled with descriptions of how God provides. And it's really just, it's David explaining that and expressing that and for our benefit that we see the ups and downs that he went through and uh, we are the beneficiaries of that. And I wonder if you've considered this morning how much understanding we get of the Lord because of everything that David went through. And you read through the Psalms and, and, and the ups and downs he went through and he describes how God specifically met a need in his life how God specifically provided for the times when he was being chased by enemies, where the times where he was feeling alone and he had no one around him. Uh, have you considered that we get the benefits of seeing God providing by somebody else going through difficult times? So even just on that note, we should be thankful this morning that uh, God's laid that out for us to, to learn from, uh, to grow in, and uh, really just to be thankful for, for how he operates and his character. So... I said we're going to look at Psalm 23 again and uh, thank Tim for reading that once again. But uh, we're going to look at Psalm 23 and I'm really, I'm not going to di dissect these verses as such. Uh, 
because we're going to be moving elsewhere in the scriptures in a moment. But really, just want to briefly identify this morning the, the provision of the Lord for the Christian. Uh, the provision of the Lord for the Christian. So we're just going to dive right into Psalm 23. And this is obviously David writing these words. And I'm just going to go through each verse here and really just show you where God provides and how God provides for the Christian, for the one who's put their trust in him. And so if you just look here in verse 1, I'll read each verse and then and describe a little bit. But verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now he uses this, he uses this term shepherd, obviously close to David's heart, being a shepherd himself. Uh, but what he did was is he knew the commitment that a shepherd took. He knew the commitment of a shepherd and what it meant to look after and to care for uh, those sheep. And sheep don't know how to fend for themselves. Sheep aren't self-made, like I, like I mentioned before, and neither are we as, as human beings. Uh, and Jesus is the one who calls himself the good shepherd. And uh, praise the Lord, that's the name of our church, Good Shepherd Baptist Church. And it's good to remind us of those things that, you know, it's not our church, it's the Lord's church, it's the Good Shepherd's church. But Jesus said in the scriptures, my sheep hear my voice. And he said this, he said, and I know them. So David's identifying here, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that cares for me, provides for me, but he also knows me personally. He understands me and he's committed to my care and he's committed to my provision. And that's just verse one. I mean, there's a lot of blessing right there, but that's just verse one. We'll go on. Verse two, he says this, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. You know, to a sheep, green pastures and still waters, that means one thing. It means health to them. For them to have a green pasture, to, to them to have you know, food that nourishes them, that means health for them. And uh, David identifies this, that that's what the Lord does for the Christian, that the Lord nourishes through spiritual things, through spiritual health. And you might say, well, how does he do that? Or, or how do we see that as a Christian? Well, first and foremost, he's given you his word. I mean, you think about how much spiritual nourishment there is in this word, it's overwhelming. And, and, you know, I guess sometimes we can be overwhelmed by it, like there's just so much I don't know where to start. But he has provided much more than we will ever need in this life, lifetime of spiritual nourishment through his word. Uh, also, I identify, you know, this morning, you know, we've got a handful of people here, but he's also established his church. That's how he can spiritually nourish the Christian. You know, he's put people in place. He's put uh, the, our pastor in place to lead us and to, to direct us. He's our under-shepherd. Uh, so there's that word again, you know, the one that, that cares and, and looks out for. Um, so for the Christian, he leads us in these things and he nourishes us in these things. You might say, okay, you know, Psalm 23, pretty familiar. You know, we know all these things. But really, it's something that we just need to continually remind ourselves of, that it is the Lord who provides. He is the one that gives us these good things. Because sometimes we can just be tempted to think, oh yeah, you know, I have these things because I, or because that thing happened, or I have that person in my life, or all sorts of things we can come up with. But at the end of the day, we need to remember that it's the Lord who gives us what we have, and to be thankful for that. And we'll keep going. Verse 3, he says this, He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I, I love this verse because 
to me, restoring your soul, that means your soul was in a state that needed restoration. Your soul was in a state that was broken, that, that had some things wrong with it, uh, that was far away from God, uh, that was not necessarily responsive to God. And he says here that the Lord is the one who is able to make that new. You know, when the Bible talks about salvation, it says that, you know, we've been made a new creature in Christ. And he's saying that the Lord is the one who provides restoration for the things that are broken. And that's, that's exciting to me. And it also says this, that we aren't bound by those old ways of living. So now, because he's the one who can restore, whereas before we didn't have that option. Before Christ was in our life, we, we had no alternative. It was just us trying to flounder around and, and, and find our way and I try and keep our head up in this life. But we're, we're not bound by those old ways of living anymore. Christ gives us an out. He gives us an escape. He gives us a, a direction and a path and he gives us a direction to Christ-likeness. So that's what I find exciting here in verse number three because he talks about leading in the paths of righteousness. There is a path that leads to righteousness. There is a path that leads to Christ-likeness. And God, the Lord God as our provider, he's the one that shows us that path. He gives us that opportunity to walk that path. So we need to be thankful for that as well. Verse 4, this is an interesting one. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I put this to you this morning, that without God's presence, we're removed from knowing his peace. Like David mentions here that, you know, I'm not going to fear evil because you are beside me. You are with me. And, you know, New Testament Christians and, and us in this church age, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he's not going to leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He He's not, he doesn't get to a point where he's done with us or anything like that. So when, when, we're, when we're without God's presence, we're removed from knowing his peace and we're also removed from knowing his comfort. And he mentions that here. He says, because you're with me, you know, things can be going in all sorts of directions and I can be fearful of all sorts of things, but then you are the one who brings peace. You are the one who brings comfort. The Lord is the one who provides those things. And I know today that we can find, you know, temporal peace and temporal comfort, uh, but it's not true lasting peace and true lasting comfort when it's outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. So David's expressing here that, you know what, if you want to find that, then look no further than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your provider for that area of your life. Verse 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil my cup runneth over. You know, any spiritual blessings or any spiritual victories that David had, they were from the Lord's hand. He recognised that. He's saying, you know, when, when my enemies were before me and I had a victory, it was because you were there, Lord. It's because you directed me. It's because you guide, guided me. It's because you gave me strength. It's because you showed me the way. It's because you went before me and you, you handled some things and, and, I, and I gave some things over to you and, and, and you did what you could miraculously do and you gave spiritual breakthrough. You gave victories, you gave physical victories as well. Now, what spiritual victory could the Christian claim without the Lord God? I mean, you think of 
any spiritual victory that you may have had in your life, it certainly didn't come from ourselves, did it? It came from the Lord. It came from his working. And, you know, it might have been him being long-suffering and, and patient with us and, and giving us something that we don't deserve. I mean, isn't that just everything in the Christian life? He's given us salvation that we don't deserve. But really, all that we have and all, that, all victory that we have had is because of him. He's the one that's provided it. He's gone before us and given us that. And then I want to look at verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Psalm 23, uh, I've, I've only done a couple of funerals uh, in, in my time. You know, uh, I know there's plenty of other people that have done a whole lot more, but most funerals will have Psalm 23, written, uh, Psalm 23 read out at them. And it means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. And the danger can be is that we hear it so often and we just get a little bit immune to it. We get immune to what it actually means for the Christian, uh, how much it shows us of God's character. And you look at something like verse number six here. To me, this points to the promises that God has for the Christian. You look at it, it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow the Christian. That's a promise. That he's saying, you know, if, if, you, if you walk my path, if you follow me, then you will have blessings follow you. There's a promise there. And not least of those promises is the belonging that's found in Jesus Christ. And you see that in the second half of that verse. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't it good to know that you belong somewhere? I mean, I, I praise the Lord. I, I really do. I honestly do. I praise the Lord that we have this church here. I praise the Lord that I belong in this church. I mean, yes, I belong in Christ's kingdom. I, I'm a Christian and, you know, he saved me and made me part of his family. But also... Outside of that, I belong in this place here with these people here and, you know, a lot of you on the other side of this camera. I, I praise the Lord for that. That's belonging. There's belonging found there. And, you know, for a lot of people in the world, there is no belonging. They don't find belonging in, in any place outside of Jesus Christ. So this is, a, this is a really powerful verse and it's obviously coming from David's heart. And he's just acknowledging once again, you know what, Lord, you are my provider. You provide me the promises that I can hold on to. You provide me the belonging that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the one who gives me these things. So there's a lot in those six verses. And, you know, we kind of just like skimmed the top of them there a little bit this morning. And you could spend a whole lot of time on each one of them. And obviously we're not going to do that today. But some this morning, some of us really... All we need today is we need to just dwell on those thoughts just for a little bit. For some of us, that's, that's, where we, that's where we're at. You know, we just need to come back to recognising that the Lord is a provider. He is the one that gives these things that we see here in these six verses and much, much more. But some of us just need to dwell there. And you might be a Christian or you might not be a Christian. This might be one of the first times you've heard about, you know, what does the Lord God do for those that he calls his children? Well, you need to dwell on that a little bit this morning, that these are the things that you can only find in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
These are the things that he provides for those that are called his. And for the Christian this morning, it might just mean you need to sit back and just remember and reflect and to be thankful for those things and and ponder and consider and go, what victories, what spiritual victories have I had? Yeah, those ones, yeah, they're from the Lord. He gave me those breakthroughs. What belonging do I have? Oh, he's made me part of his family, his church, his people, and and I can hold on to his promises and to be thankful for that. So really, for some of us this morning... That, that's where we need to, to dwell a little bit. But we're not going to stop there, but we're going to have a look a little bit further here and not just see that the Lord is the one that provides, but just go a little bit further with this. So secondly, I said that the Lord God is a provider. But secondly, some Christians this morning might benefit from looking at this Psalm 23 with a slightly different emphasis. So when we read it, just emphasising slightly differently. And I'll show you what I mean by that. So if you have a look here, I'm not going to read the whole verse. I'll just point a few things out. Reading this with different emphasis on some of these words. So verse 1, what if you read it, instead of the Lord is my shepherd, what if you read it, the Lord is my shepherd? He's mine. I accept that he is the one that has delivered me. He is the one that cares for me. He's my shepherd. Verse 1, he's not just a provider, he's my provider. I'm making it personal now. And I know I, I spoke last week about God being a personal God and you know, I'm not going over that really. I'm just honing in on the fact here that when you look at this psalm in a different light and you, you make it more about what God is doing for you personally, it means a whole lot more. And it can change a whole lot of things in your life. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Okay, so what benefit do we get from that? Well, he's got the solution to my individual brokenness. He restores my brokenness because my brokenness is probably different than your brokenness. I am probably broken on the inside with some different things than many other people that are listening right now. But the Lord is the provider of each individual person's brokenness, the restoration of that brokenness. He understands that on a very personal level. So that that makes a whole lot of difference when you go, oh, he restoreth my soul. He's not just a restorer of souls. He knows my individual brokenness. Verse 5, thou preparest a table in the presence of mine enemies. Once again, my enemies are probably different than your enemies. We all probably have different enemies at some stage of our life. But God understands your enemies and can provide you spiritual victory even through you having a different enemy than somebody else. So it's kind of taking ownership of the fact that he's your shepherd and acknowledging that, being thankful for that, but also taking that and and doing something with it, allowing it to affect you. Because it's not good enough for us just to go, oh yeah, he is my provider. Great. When's the next coffee break? But what are we actually going to do with that knowledge? What are we going to do with that understanding? Verse 6, goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know what that means? I don't have to miss out on what he's promised all Christians. You know, his promises don't run out because everyone else is has taken hold of them. Like, I don't, get to, I don't have to miss out on that. 
So reading this psalm with this emphasis can help us appreciate his provisions a whole lot more, but can impact our Christian walk. And you might say, well, how does that happen? Or how, how do we see that? Well, think about this. When you see God as your personal provider, when you see that he can, you know, he has a solution to your individual brokenness, then it can help you order your prayers a little bit differently. It can help you speak to him a little bit differently. And you talk about, you know, the promises that God has. You can then specifically pray those things back to him. And you might say, well, I already do that. Okay, good. Keep doing it. Maybe some of us aren't. Maybe some of us aren't praying these specific things back to him. Lord, you said that goodness and mercy are going to follow me. So I'm asking for that and I'm looking for that and I'm expecting that. And it starts you know, revealing some more things in our heart and it helps us even to, to grow our faith. Because sometimes we need to say some things, even if we're not 100% convi- convinced on it, until we start believing it. You know, I'm going to be honest this morning. I, I read the Bible and sometimes I'm like, I don't know how God's going to do that. How, how's he going to make provision for that? And you might say, oh, you know, you're just a doubter. Well, it's just, it's just me. <laughs> you might find yourself in the same position. I don't know. But when, when you see these things and you go, okay, he's given that to me specifically and he's my provider and he's made promises for me particularly, then I'm going to claim those things, you know. I'm not talking about some prosperity kind of thing. I'm just saying the things that he's particularly said that I will give this to you, that surely goodness and mercy will follow you, well, you can expect that. He's not going to hold out on you on that. You know what? Doing this, putting yourself in this psalm, can also guide and direct your conversations a little bit. How do you mean? Well, when I talk to people, I'm going to be a whole lot more bold in what I say my God does for me when I see myself in that psalm as opposed to me going, oh, yeah, that was David, and you know, David found some comfort through his trials, um, but, but what about me? But if I go, no, 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 what? I look at this and I can see myself in that. I can see he's my provider as well as David's provider. Then I can have a conversation. I can be bold with someone and say, you know what? You know where I get my peace from? I get my peace from the Lord God. I don't get it from the fact that I have a secure job or my family's going well at the moment or you know, any other thing that you can pick. I get it from the Lord God. He's the one that gives me my peace. And someone might say, well, why aren't you afraid of this thing that's coming up? Or why aren't you concerned or, or anxious about that thing? Well, because he's the one that gives me comfort. He is with me and I don't need to fear evil because he is with me. And you might say, oh, that sounds arrogant. No, it's just the truth. And, and we're praising the Lord for who he is. And it just helps you to be a little bit more bold in that because now it's just being a little bit more personal. So you're seeing God as not just a provider, but your provider. And the other thing is that it can lead to greater thankfulness. The more that you identify that he is the one who has given you these things in your life, the more you can thank him for. So the more you look around and go, okay, that's from God, that's from God, this is from God, he's given me this, this and this, and he's put me here and you know, supplied me with these things, you're just building up the list of things that you can be thankful for. And then you're also showing other people, oh, God is a provider. And that can affect your relationship with them and, you know, get them to see how God works a whole lot more. So all I'm saying is injecting ourselves into these things helps us to outwork our Christianity just a little bit differently. Maybe make it a little bit more real and maybe cause us to, to go a little bit further in some things as well.
But I don't want to stop there this morning. I just want to look at one more thing. And I want to share this with you if you go to Proverbs 30. If you have a look at Proverbs 30 with me. And this has been something that I've seen years ago, I've dwelt upon, I've uh, considered it, I've enjoyed looking at it, thinking about it, and also praying it myself and uh, approaching God in this way. So I hope this is going to be a blessing to you this morning. And uh, we're going to look at this proverb here, Proverbs 30. And it's written by someone that the Bible calls Agur, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, some think it could be Solomon. Uh, some people say it's not Solomon. Uh, I'm not sure if we can be 100% sure about that. But nevertheless, he shows us something quite valuable here. So Proverbs 30, and you know, God's included it in his canon of scripture. Uh, so we know that there's wisdom in here. There's good stuff in here. Uh, so I just want to have a look here. So he introduces himself in the first few verses. And I'm really not going to go through every verse here, but he just introduces himself and then he jumps down to verse 4 and he asks a question. He says this, he says, Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? You know what he's doing? He's referring to the Lord God here. So we saw David in his Psalm 23 and obviously many other Psalms acknowledging that God was his creator, acknowledging God was his provider. And in this proverb here, we see the same thing. He's mentioning, he's referring to the Lord God as creator. The Lord God as the one who has provided. So look at, the, look at verse 4. The one who's ascended into heaven, the one who's gathered the wind. Who can do that? Only the Lord God can do that. Who's bound the waters, established all the ends of the earth. We can't do that. We're like, we're like the sheep who need the guidance, but it's God who's the one who's provided these things. So he's establishing here that God is provider. He is provider. And then look at verse 5. He says this, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Here he's establishing there's a personal provision, which is that shield, God is that shield from the Lord who provides to the Christian. So why, why is that important? Well, he's saying that God is a provider, but he's also saying that God is a personal provider. He is a personal shield to the Christian. He's the one that can protect you and guide you and keep you. So just like Psalm 23, you can see him as a provider, but you can also see him as your personal provider. And so Agur is saying here, you know, he is the creator and the provider, but he's also a personal one to each one that would put their trust in him. So you just see that, that extra closeness, that it means a little bit more to each individual person that puts their trust in him. And then notice here from verse 7, we see him talking or praying, communing with the Lord and this is what he says, verse 7, Two things have I required of thee, deny me them not before I die. And this is what he's asking. Look here in verse 8. He says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. So remove from me, Lord, the things that are, are useless, the things that are empty, the things don't, that don't count, that don't mean much, that don't amount to much. 
uh, that are not important. Remove that, remove lies, so remove untruth from me. But look what he says. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. He's asking God, don't make me poor, please, and don't make me rich. Isn't that an interesting request? Lord, please don't give me poverty, but also don't give me riches. And you've got to look at that verse and go, why does he say that? Obviously, he's going to expand a little bit more in a second, but just think about that. Why would someone ask not for poverty, but also not for riches? We might go, yeah, I don't want poverty, but riches I can handle. <laughs> riches would be good, but he doesn't ask for that. So let's have a look. Why does, he, why does he say this? Well, look, he explains in verse 9. He says, Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? So he's saying, Please, Lord, don't give me riches. I know you can provide, but please don't give me riches so much that I'm going to not even think about you anymore. So much that I'm not going to rely on you to provide for me anymore. So much that I just have an abundance that I don't even know what to do with. And someone says, hey, did you know the Lord God gave you all that? And be like, who? Like, this is, this is all mine. <laughs> I mean, maybe he had the thought of, I made myself get this much. I don't know. But he's saying, if I do get riches to a certain, to a certain extent, then I'll probably deny the Lord. I probably won't be relying on him like I should be. So that's for the richest part. And then he says... Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of the Lord God, name of my God in vain. He's saying the other, other end of the scale is that if I'm so poor and I have absolutely nothing, then I'm probably going to misrepresent who, the, who God is, who his character is, by just trying to fend for myself and take for myself. So he's saying either one, they're not good, Lord. So I'm just asking, please please don't give me poverty and please don't give me riches. Why? Because I see my weaknesses in those areas. I identify that I have weaknesses at, at those different ends of the spectrum and probably a lot in between as well. But to ask specifically like this, that takes a lot of humility. That takes a lot of honesty. So he has, he's, he's not silly. He's identified that God is the one that can provide, but he's also asking specific things as well. So we can take something from this. And I want you to acknowledge or notice first that he's acknowledging the Lord is the one who provides. I know we've established that, but he's the one the Lord has, can give him what he needs and can give him what he has. Second is this, that he recognises those personal weaknesses in those situations, but... He's saying all of this because he still wants to glorify God with his life. Otherwise, he wouldn't say, don't give me poverty because then I'm going to take your name in vain. He actually cares about glorifying God with his life. So it's not just about identifying that God can provide, but it's also going that next step and saying, Lord, I know you can provide, but I also want you to provide in a way where I can still glorify you and where my weaknesses aren't going to get in the way of you being glorified with my life. Because whether it's poverty or riches, he's saying that's going to get in the way and I want to use my life to glorify you. 
So look what he asked for at the end of verse 8. This is, this, is where, this is his conclusion. This is where he comes to. He says, feed me with food convenient for me. Feed me with food convenient for me. He's not talking about bread. He's not talking about physical food. He's saying, if you're going to be my provider and you are, then I need you to give me what is convenient. And that word convenient is talking about something prescribed. Give me something, Lord, that is prescribed for me. I know you can provide, but I need you to prescribe something that is helpful, something that is necessary, something that is needful, something that is going to continue to glorify you because my weaknesses can often get in the way. So Lord, I know that you're my provider, but I need you to be my prescriber. So you think about prescriptions, you think about doctors, medicine, you know, you go and you have a weakness of some sort. It, it might be an illness on the inside. It might be some kind of muscle failure or something. You need the doctor to assess and you need the doctor to prescribe the correct medicine to get that back on track. You need the doctor to prescribe what is necessary and what is needful for those things that were broken or those things that were weak to start to be strong again. So think about prescription like that. Areas of weakness need to be worked on in specific ways. So we're talking about the Lord being a provider, but also seeing him not just as provider, but specifically asking him to prescribe what is needful. The Lord can provide the, the perfect balance of what's needed. And just think about that. He does all things well. You know, he doesn't do things like just nice or just great. He does things perfectly. He does all things well. And he can give this correct balance of what's needed. And the wisdom of Agar here is that he knew what God was able to do. And you might say this morning, you know what, I know what God is able to do. I've seen, whether it's through the scriptures, I've seen what he's able to do. I've seen in other people's lives what he's able to do. I've even seen in my own life what he's able to do. But the wisdom of here is that he knew what God was able to do, but he asked God to prescribe what was best for his life to show Christ-likeness. He didn't just say, just, Lord, can you just bless me with all blessings? Because he knew that that could be a weakness and then his life may not show Christ-likeness. So he's saying, Lord, I, I need you to be specific for me because you're my shepherd and you understand me and you understand what I need. You understand where I'm going to fall down. You understand the things I'm going to respond to. You understand how to make me grow in that area. Just like a doctor, you know, they go and study everything that they study so that they can understand what is needed when this thing is the weakness. How do you get that thing from a weak state to a strengthened state? And that's what the Lord does. He's that kind of provider. He's that kind of prescriber. And Agar identified this. Now, the goal for us as Christians is to be conformed to Christ's image. Not for us just to get saved and just to, okay, now we just do things exactly the same, but now we're saved. No, it's to be conformed to his image. It's to be more like him. So some things need to be changed. Some things need to be worked on. And that's the whole goal. And that doesn't come without hard things. 
You can't have the Christian life. You can't become more Christ-like without some difficult things happening in your life. Now, we don't necessarily want them, but if we're going to be more Christ-likeness, they are needful. And Agar was someone who identified this. Some things that we wouldn't normally choose for ourselves. If we had the power, we probably wouldn't choose what God chooses for us. So don't think of the word convenient here as something easy. Think of it as helpful, beneficial, and like I said, needful. And isn't this what the Lord spoke to Paul about in 2 Corinthians 12? And I won't get you to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 12, and most of us probably know it, he's talking here about the thorn in the flesh that he has. Something that seemed to be hindering him, something that seemed to be uncomfortable. And he says this thorn in the flesh was given to him for a reason. It says, lest I should be exalted above measure. So Paul identified, you know, there's this thing that I don't like, but I also identify that it's needful so I don't get exalted above measure. And he asked the Lord to take it away. He says that he besought the Lord thrice, please, you know, can you, can you depart, make it depart from me? But, he also, but then Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. So God prescribed here the thorn to remain and for his grace to strengthen. So although God is able to, as provider, remove that hard thing from Paul's life, he chose the, the best pres prescription right now is for that to remain. Because if that remains, then you're going to rely on me. You're going to rely on my grace and it's going to be sufficient for you and it will strengthen you. So although he can provide all things and, you know, all nice things and all lovely things, he's going to prescribe the thing that's necessary, the thing that's convenient for us, the thing that's needful for us. And praying this way is more than just knowing that God can help with something, but rather proactively asking God to have his way. So you, you can know that God is able to help, but a, a better way, if I can put it that way, to, to pray is, Lord, can you please have your way in my life? I know you can provide me with this, that and the other, but can you feed me with food that's convenient for me? Because you are my provider and you are my shepherd. You understand me. You know my weakness. Can you please feed me with that food that's convenient for me? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't know how to make stronger the things that are weak in my life. I may identify, hey, there's a weakness there, kind of like Agar, like there's a weakness if, if I have poverty and if I have riches. But I don't always know the correct way to solve that or, or to make that better. So you know what I do? I, I take a page out of Agar's book here and I actually asked, Lord, can you just feed me with food convenient for me? Even if I know I'm not going to like it. You know, we joke about, you know, kids not liking their veggies and, you know, that kind of stuff. But we all understand it's needful, it's necessary, it's convenient. Not necessarily 
palatable, but it actually is going to strengthen them. It's the same concept, isn't it? That we know that mum and dad can provide all the nice sweet things and all the, all the things that we love, but the, the, the smart thing for a child to say is, mum, dad, can you uh, give me the food that's right for me, that's healthy for me, that's convenient for me? So we, as, as God's children, it's good for us to appro approach him that way. Can you please feed me with food that's convenient for me, Lord? I know you can provide all sorts of things, but I don't know how to help myself in this situation. I need you to, to strengthen me and I need you to remove some things, give some things, allow some things. I need that from you because you're my provider and you're my prescriber and you understand me. And Jesus in the garden before being crucified, he prayed this way as well. Luke 22, verse 41, says, And he, that's Jesus, was withdrawn from his disciples about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But he didn't stop there. He said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. See, Jesus here confirmed that the Father's prescription was best. He knew that the Lord God could do anything. But he also said, nevertheless, can you feed me with what's convenient? Can you help me to do your will, to do that thing that is necessary? Look, at, oh, you're not there, but verse 43. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So, he identified that the Lord's prescription was the best. He walked in that and he was strengthened. Paul was able to be strengthened by God's grace. Jesus, in his, his hour of need, his hour of anguish, I guess you could say, is that he was strengthened because he asked the Lord God to provide what is necessary, to prescribe the right thing. And he did. And I, I think we would all say that we've benefited, benefited from that. We wouldn't have salvation if, if Jesus didn't go through with the Father's will. We wouldn't have any spiritual blessings. So I found this in my life a helpful way to pray and just to approach the Lord, you know, looking at Psalm 23, placing myself in there. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, the Lord showed me that, you know, you might say, oh, he had to show you that. Yeah, he did. He showed me that a few years ago and it's just stuck with me ever since. So anytime I hear or see this Psalm 23, I will say the Lord is my shepherd. He's my provider. That helps me tell my kids or anyone that I'm talking to, you know what I have? I have what I have because the Lord provided it. I didn't, I didn't get it myself. You know, the things that I'm looking forward to, they're the promises that the Lord has given. He's my provider. But I also have seen in, in Proverbs 30 here just another way to approach God in prayer. Lord, can you just give me what's convenient for me? Because you know better than me. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So really this morning, it's just identifying that the Lord is provider. He's, he can be your personal provider. But also going that next step and saying, Lord, can you be my prescriber as well? 
So I pray that's a blessing. It's, it's another way to pray. Uh, you can add that to how you already pray. Um, you can be thankful for these things as the Lord shows us his character in it. And all we have to do is ask. And then he can do a work in our lives. Okay. All right. I'm going to have a word of prayer and uh, then John's going to come and he's going to sing a verse or two of a song here. And uh, then we'll just have a few announcements and we'll be done this morning. All right. So let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for your word this morning. We thank you that you are provider, you are creator. We thank you that, Lord God, you are the chief shepherd. You are the good shepherd. You understand us, you love us, and you give us what we need. And Lord, I, I thank you that we can approach you in this manner and we can ask you specifically, Lord, for you to do a work in our lives. I pray that you'd help each of us, and myself included, Lord, just to draw a little closer to you this day and these weeks coming, uh, as we just identify these things of your character, Lord God, help us to, as I said, inject ourselves uh, in, in the narrative and in the text of, of your word and see that you have done great things in many people's lives in the Bible, but you're also able to do those things in our lives too. So Father, I pray you'd help us to surrender our lives to you, surrender our wills to you, Help us, Lord, to be strengthened by you, by your Holy Spirit, by the way that you lead us and direct us. And I pray you'd help us to be sensitive to you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for each one that has tuned in today. And I pray that you would continue to help us. I pray that you would guide us as, as we go after here today. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless as you do. And we thank you, Father, for today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, John.